Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. First Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to be dealing with developing your communication. Developing your communication. Welcome to Bible study. A judge was interviewing a woman regarding her pending divorce. He asked, what are the grounds for your divorce? She replied, well, about four acres with a little home in the middle of the property. No, said the judge. I mean, what's the foundation of this case? She said it's made of concrete, brick, and mortar. The judge said, I mean, what are your relations like? She said, I have an aunt and an uncle in town as well as my husband's parents. The judge said, "Uh, do you have a grudge? And she said, no. Since we have a carport, we never really needed one. The judge sighed and said, ma'am, has your husband ever beat you up? And she said, yes, about twice a week he gets up earlier than I do. Finally, in frustration, the judge asked, madam, why do you want a divorce? The woman said, I never wanted a divorce. My husband does. He says he can't communicate with me. We'd like to work on developing communication. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 dealt with spiritual gifts. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13 dealt with pretty much the greatest spiritual gift, which is the love of God. So chapter 14 puts them both together, spiritual gifts, but done in the right way through the love of God. And what is the the great desire of God? Uh, Well, let's just start. It says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts but rather that ye may prophesy. So chapter 14 puts love and spiritual gifts together to accomplish God's will in the church. And Paul was speaking to the Corinthians because they were really excited about spiritual gifts, but they kind of missed the goal of God with the spiritual gifts. God wants to communicate the gospel to us. Verse 2, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit, in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth, which means to preach under inspiration in a language that people understand, speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. And then Paul said, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied or preached in a language people could understand, spoke the word of God in a uh, language people could understand. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So we're seeing the theme come across as communication. And not just communication, first to understand God's word, and second to be built up or edified. So someone speaking in an unknown tongue, they speak to God, but 
the Bible says, and that has its place, and your spirit gets built up when the Holy Ghost prays through you, speaking in the Holy Ghost, and yet the church doesn't understand. I remember I used to live in Hong Kong, and I felt a certain need, okay? And I, I uh, not everyone speaks English in Hong Kong, and so I was, this is in the 90s, and I uh, there saw a gentleman, I was in some botanical gardens, and uh, and so I said something like, and please, if, if you are an expert Cantonese speaker, my Cantonese is not what it used to be, and it never was much. But I looked at the gentleman, I said something like, Sai Sao Gan Hai Bin and he looked at me funny, as if I was speaking in an unknown tongue, but I was speaking in Cantonese. And so I said it again, since it's a tonal language, if you're off a little bit on your tone, you're not saying anything that you think you're saying. So I said again, something like, Sai Sao Gan Hai Bin and I don't know if he spoke to me or if he pointed. Well, say, preacher, you're speaking gibberish. So Paul is saying in an unknown tongue, you're not speaking gibberish. But to others who can't understand it, you certainly are. And what I communicated to that man, and he helped me, he was a blessing, uh, was I asked in Cantonese, where's the restroom? And it speaks, though, if I were to say that in the church, it would speak... It would be like gibberish to people. They wouldn't understand me and they wouldn't be able to help me. So I wouldn't be edified, right? I wouldn't be able to be uh, uh, communicated with. And Paul is saying that is exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, the, the tongues have their place, but not everyone understands those things. So we have to get God's word out and make sure we edify the church. And so he gives a comparison to instruments. He said in verse six, notice, now brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? And a tongue is just a different language, okay? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. Say, so what is it going to help you if I just speak in an unknown tongue? Uh, and then he says, and even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds. How shall it be known? What is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to, to the battle? And in, I think, is the cavalry, you know, in those uh, cavalry, the cowboy movies, the cavalry from hundreds of years ago, and they go, da -da 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 -da, and it's the, the sound for charge, right? And the uh, was given by a trumpet or a bugle. Well, the early, well, thousands of years ago, the Israelites, they used trumpets. Not exactly the same as the U.S. Cavalry, but in Nehemiah chapter 4, it says in verse 18, for the builders, they were building the walls of Jerusalem and they were separated. It says for the builders in Nehemiah 4 and verse 18 to 20, for the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large and we're separated upon the wall one far from another. In what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, for our God shall fight for us. And so trumpets meant something. The sound was uh, 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 had a meaning 
to men and women who heard it. So obviously, trumpets could make different sounds that people could understand. So uh, in Numbers chapter 10 and verse 2, Moses was told, Make thee two trumpets of silver. Of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. And I don't have time, but if you want to read Numbers chapter 10 and verse 2, they would blow with just one trumpet. They would sound an alarm. So there were different calls or there were distinctions that meant different things. When I was on a ship in the, in the military, they had this thing called a bosun's whistle. And it was this really, I played it for my wife, and it's very annoying. It's a very high-pitched whistle. And it will, you know, of course, there are different sounds you can make with it. Well, centuries ago, this was developed to warn against attack and to give instructions and communicate orders. Because you could hear this whistle over the sea and the wind and the battle and it's still used today they would call you for chow and i don't know if i could even imitate it very well but you can find it on youtube but the sounds and this is what paul is saying even things that aren't alive distinct sounds have meanings they have meanings they communicate a message so verse 9 so likewise ye except ye except ye utter by the tongue, words easy to be understood. Clear communication. How shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. <laughs> it reminds me of these, uh, this gentleman that wrote a book about love languages. And there are different languages that uh, people speak when they're working in their relationships. And, uh, and not, not actually words, but the, the languages are the giving of gifts. I think there's five of them. Or uh, physical touch, or quality time. And those are like a language that you communicate through your actions. And they're understood by people because that's the way that they receive love or understand love. And so not just instruments, but you could even take it a step further and our actions uh, can be perceived as a language that communicate things. Even you know, if you've seen someone, they stand a certain way or they cross their arms, it communicates a language like, don't mess with me, I don't want to talk, or maybe I'm open, or hey, I like you. But it's just by a, a, a language that's even by a body posture or a way that someone is smiling at you. There's a lot that could be spoken by that. It says, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. Therefore, I know, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. And he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. That means we won't understand each other. Have you ever felt like that? You and your wife, and it's like you're speaking two different languages. What happens? You get frustrated, right? <laughs> because you're really speaking. You're speaking in the common language. If you're listening to this, you might be speaking English. But you're not getting each other, right? Because the meaning isn't coming across. And Paul said we have to be able to understand people in the house of God. Not just the words, but the meaning. It's got to be clear. So in 1937, police uh, wanted to reduce the use of speech on the radio. 
when the channels were limited on the radio. And so in those days, when you would press the button to talk, people wouldn't hear the first syllable. It would just not come through. So it would help, it would cause confusion, right? You couldn't hear the first word or the first part of the word. So uh, what they came up with was to proceed this code that they would give with the number 10. And this would give the radio transmitter called a, a dynamotor, it would give it a chance to spin up and get to power. And so they'd say 10 after they press the button and then the code. And for example, you've heard 10-4, which means loud and clear, or 10-20, which means uh, what's your location or what's your 20. Well, the reason they said 10, that was just to give a pause they probably don't need to do it anymore, but it's kind of established, right? It was to give a pause so that that 2 or that 4 or that 20 was heard loudly and clearly on the other side of the transmission. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants people to hear us loudly and clearly in the word of God, in the house of God. So in verse 12, the purpose of the communication in church is to build people up, or the word they use is edify. Even so, ye for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Because if God has you speaking in an unknown tongue, he's got to want to give a message that people can understand in the language that people speak. For if I pray, Paul said, in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? Paul said, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit. Have you ever tried that? And I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. Can you imagine someone praying for food? And they're praying for the, the meal, and they're praying in tongues. And when you say amen... It means that you agree. That means you're saying, so be it. God, let it happen. Well, how can you say that if you don't know anything that they said? You just say, uh, oh my. <laughs> and it said in verse 17, for thou verily givest thanks well, so you can pray in the Holy Ghost and, and you're, you're doing a good job. It said, but the other is not edified. They have no earthly idea what you said. So he said, Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. So speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift. Brethren, it's important. It's of God. It's for the church. He said, but yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding. If, if I'm behind the pulpit, right? If I'm getting the attention of the church, that by my voice, I might teach others also. Then 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Five words. Can you imagine this? Here's five words. Get out of the street. Watch out for the car. But what about scripturally, right? Believe on the Lord Jesus. For faith cometh by hearing. Those are five words, right? Better than 10,000 words you don't understand. As far as 
in a teaching role. So speaking in tongues is something you can have between you and God in church, but otherwise it's not going to help anyone uh, to learn the gospel or to get some instruction. Five words are better than 10,000 if you're in a teaching or preaching capacity. He said, brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children but an understanding be men. The verse could be kind of said like this. Be don't be like kindergartners who are learning things for the first time in understanding. Don't be like that. But in malice, be like infants, like babies. That's where the, the root word comes from because they can't even talk. They can't hate. But then it said, but in understanding, be people of maturity and growth. He said, I want you to really understand where I'm going with the development of your communication in the house of God. And you can use the same thing at home or at work to communicate and edify and build people up. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak unto this people, and yet for all they will not hear me, saith the Lord. And he said, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them that believe. So the main purpose of tongues is that the unbelievers would see the manifestation of the supernatural. It'd be like, whoa, what's that? That's, that's amazing. You hear someone speak in tongues. But now let's look at verse 23, and it shows kind of the misuse of tongues, okay? So if therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues... And there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, so the new Christians or or uh, they don't they're not they're not they're not Christians. And it said, Will they not say that you're mad? If it's all the church is speaking in tongues and that's all they hear are things that they cannot understand. And that's what happened at Pentecost. There were people that mocked in the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, everyone began speaking in tongues. So these people that weren't speaking in tongues and weren't part of it, would be like, you're drunk. That's really, literally what they said. They said, you're full of new wine. You're drunk. There are, there are a bunch of people in the church or in the, this upper room or in the temple, drunk. So what did Peter do? He didn't keep speaking in tongues. It said, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. So he began to speak in the common language. And he said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my word. So you can read Acts chapter 2, find that Peter communicated a simple gospel message about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, about his death for his substitutionary death for our sins and for his, his resurrection from the dead. What happened? The church was edified. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then they, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Good harvest, right? But if all prophesy, verse 24, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned. He is convinced of all. He is judged of all. So if all the church is speaking God's word under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost uh, and everyone uh, hears the, the gospel being preached, 
You see, the great goal of service, of a worship service, is that men and women would be brought to repentance and that the church would be edified, would be built up. Notice verse 25, and thus the secrets of his heart, because God's word reads our heart, made manifest and so falling down in his face, notice that, it's like someone going to the altar, right? He will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So in verse 26, let's look at all of these things. We need to be done unto edifying. That's the great goal that Paul is talking about. And that's God's goal to build your life, to build your family, to build you, everything about you. God wants to bless and build. Verse 26, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. He said, let all things be done unto edifying. He said, let's put some order in this. <laughs> it's like a big mob. Everyone's vying to say something like, me, 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 I got something. So he said in verse 27, he put some rules down. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most three, and that by course and let one interpret. So one guy goes, they interpret. The next guy goes, then there's an interpretation. The next guy goes, then there's an interpretation. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So speak in tongues, just don't let everybody know. It's just between you and God. Get edified yourself or build your spirit up. And it said, let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. So there, there's not going to be 15 messages in the church, right? Here it says to two or three prophets or two or three speakers. And it said, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, sitteth by let the first hold his peace. So we, we find that God was limiting what was going on, putting order in the church. Thank God. God that created a cosmos out of a chaos in Genesis. God knows what we need, right? The Bible says that we all may prophesy, for ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. So I know everyone's really got something to say. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That's a big deal, because some people say, I was taken over by the Holy Ghost. Well, this really doesn't lend credibility to that because it says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the actual prophet, the person. Uh, so the Holy Ghost isn't going to possess you like the devil may possess you, okay? You're not going to be out of control and just blame it on God. God will actually put you in control like that demoniac of Gadara after he was naked and cutting himself and going nuts and he had all these uh, thousands of demons called legion in him. After Jesus cast the demons into some pigs in the Gospels, uh, the Bible said that they found this dude and there were three things that uh, defined his life that were new. He was sitting, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. He had control, right? So the Holy Ghost will bring control. The Spirit of God will bring control to your church service, to your life. For God is not the author of confusion but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. When I say that all may prophesy, I say, well, can, can women preach, preacher? 
Yes, my wife just preached last Sunday because I was out of church, uh, uh, sick. If you if you want to use that term, but we'll just use that term right there for 2022. But the Bible says in Acts chapter two and verse seventeen, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The Bible says in Acts chapter 21 and verse 9 that, the, that Philip the evangelist had four daughters and it said they were virgins and there was something about them. They, or which, did prophesy. So yes, women can preach as well as men. So that's pretty much was uh, summed up in the word of God. But let's look at verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the church. And I'm not trying to contradict what I just said. Just hang on. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Say, preacher, did you contradict yourself? Absolutely not. So verse 35 explains verse 34. Random talking in the congregation causes confusion. That is very frustrating. It takes away the momentum of the message. It takes away the working of God's spirit. It focuses the attention on the noise. And evidently in Corinth, women, uh, maybe they didn't understand what was going on or understand the, uh, uh, what was being shared. So they would just ask their husbands, hey, honey, what did that guy say? And if you've got several people doing that at the same time, it is a shame, whether it's women or men, that it's disrupting the service. So that was what the, the context of this was, okay? If you're a lady and God moves your heart to say amen or hallelujah or uh, you know something like that, that's not wrong, okay? This was talking about something that was causing confusion in church, okay? Again, my wife just preached last Sunday. It's on the podcast, and uh, she did a really good job. So uh, God bless uh, Sister Bigelow. Verse 36. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? You know how there's people that say, well, it has to be revealed to you, because basically God only speaks to them. So he, Paul said, are you Corinthians the only ones to preach the gospel, or the only ones that the gospel came to? The answer would be no. See, no one has a monopoly on the gospel. The gospel is available to everybody. Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus cares about all of us. And God speaks to people. And whether we like it or not, God can speak to anybody. God, God uh, is an equal opportunity employer in that regard. And whoever he wants to speak to, he can speak to. Not just the Corinthians and not just you and me. And Paul was saying, so don't say you're different than other people. That's what Paul was saying. Verse 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul was saying, if you're a spiritual person, that pray and let the Holy Ghost deal with you, that I'm not giving you just another opinion, that this is the way that God wants things done. He wants you to develop your communication so that the gospel can get through. And... Uh, then he said, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Uh, some people are just going to 
You ever talk to someone after a while, they don't change, you say, okay, be that way. Or just like, whatever, dude. Or just, whatever. Say, preacher, is that wrong to say? Well, you know, someone's not going to listen anyway. And whatever you say, they're just going to do what they're going to do. And that's whatever means. Just like, okay, whatever you're going to do, go and do it because you're not going to listen to me anyway. Whatever. That's what kind of Paul said. If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Whatever. Okay, go do what you're going to do. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. So he's summarizing that the gifts of God are a blessing. But the gifts of God, if they're not understood, can cause confusion if you try to speak them in public, like over the pulpit, okay? And it says, covet to prophesy. Why? Because you want people to know the word of God. You want them to understand the gospel. And then he said, let all things be done decently and in order. One of the greatest verses in the word of God is John chapter 3 and verse 16. Because it summarizes, it's like the gospel in a verse. It tells you everything that you need to do to become a Christian or to tell someone else how to become a Christian. That's why it's such a wonderful verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So you got love and you got the giving of Jesus Christ on the cross that whosoever believeth in him, the access to Jesus, right, should not perish, will not go to hell, will not be separated from God, will not die eternally, but have everlasting life. So if there's one verse of scripture that I can recommend that you know and have available to you, not to just quote it, but to understand what it means, that you could communicate that to someone else. It's John chapter 3 and verse 16. It's a real blessing. May God help develop your communication. May others be edified, not just by your words, but by the light that you shine. May you be a blessing. And you know what? I pray that God will reward you for your service to him. God bless you. We hope to see you Sunday in service. Or if you're listening on the podcast, stay tuned for more messages. God bless you. Amen.